0: 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1, we are working on memorizing a verse of Scripture that is found in our text. 1 Peter chapter 1, excuse me, verses 18 and 19, let's say those verses together, we'll get them on the board behind me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, read them, we'll start with the reference, we'll read the verses and then we will finish with the reference, you ready? Ready? You ready? All right, here we go. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Now Peter is writing to exiles. He is writing to those who are awaiting the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing that life is tough. He talks about being a sojourner. He talks about being a pilgrim. He talks about one who is on a journey, and that is what identifies all of us, does it not? And as we recognize that God has for us, Some very special things we need to recognize who God is and what our responsibility is to Him. And that is our text for today. 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to begin with verse 13, and I'm going to read down through verse 21. We've covered some of this material in previous weeks. But I'm going to try to fit it all together today if I get through this whole message. And if I don't, We'll get part of it next week unless the Lord comes back. And if he does that, then we won't need to get through the rest of it because we'll be with the one who is the living word, okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 13. Therefore, every time there's a therefore, you look to see what is there for. Therefore, since you have hope, therefore, since you know the grace of God, since you have love and joy and faith, therefore, preparing your minds for action. And be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." But was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Peter gives to us a three part formula that helps us identify with our responsibility before God. Part number one is that we are to prepare our minds. Proverbs tells us, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we have the mind of Christ. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Colossians 3 says, set your minds. Same word as found in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 2. King James, set your affection. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And if we are going to fulfill God's plan for us, it begins up here. We need to prepare our minds. Number two, we need to practice holiness. Be ye holy, the Scripture says, for I am holy. And last week we looked at the holiness of God. Aren't you thankful that God is a holy God? If you're looking for a resource, let me recommend Kevin DeYoung's book, Whole in Your Holiness. Now, DeYoung is a good covenant theologian, but I like what John Piper writes about DeYoung, and it says this. This book is vintage Young. Ruthlessly biblical. (laughs) Whole in your holiness. Let me encourage you to get this book. Because God is holy, we are to be holy. And it's more than just doing the right stuff. It's a quality that God has given to us as his children. 1 Peter chapter 1, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Do we believe that? Maybe. Maybe. Well, if he has, then has he given us what we need for life and godliness? Now, if that's true, then there shouldn't be any holes in our holiness. we we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Our text here gives to us how this can be worked out in our lives. I want you to... I want you to uh, Underline or circle some some words in in our text, okay? Look with me at verse 14. Circle the word conformed. You have that word? Conformed. We'll come back to it. In verse 15, I want you to circle the word called. And in verse 17, I want you to circle the word conduct. Conduct. You got them? 14 conformed, 15 called, 17 conduct. Now that word conduct is also used in verse 15. But this is how we are to fulfill what God has called us to do. We are to be not conformed to this world. We'll talk about that in a moment. We are to be conformed because we've been called to be like God And we are to conduct ourselves in reverence in fear of God. Connie has been gone since Tuesday. She's over in the eastern part of the state. That's where she usually goes when she runs off. One of our daughters was moving into a new home, and so Connie went over to help clean the home and to help move. And then uh, our other daughter and her husband were going on a student ministry trip, And so Connie is babysitting grandboys. Friday night, they had a grandboy sleepover. They had a three year old, an eight year old, and a ten year old. I'm glad it was Connie. (laughs) She's coming home this afternoon. I told her last night when I talked to her one more night without you, babe, and you'll be home. I have some concerns. The house hasn't been swept since she's been gone. Right now, there are some dishes in the sink. I did strip the bed this morning and threw in a load of laundry. But it's not been dried yet, and the bed's not made. Now, the reason I tell you that is because I could say, I fear Connie coming home, but it's not that at all. It's I respect Connie's coming home and I want to do everything in my power to please her when she walks in the door because I know it's going to take more than just my smiling face. (laughs) Oh, you're a tough crowd this morning. (laughs) That's exactly what Scripture says. We are to conduct ourselves in such a manner that we're afraid of not pleasing our Lord because he's so important in our lives. Now I stop right here and ask you, if he were to show up at your house today, are you ready for him? Would he be pleased with what he found in your house? And I'm not talking about a place with a living room, a bedroom, and a bathroom. I'm talking about your house, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, whom we have of Him. Because, and we'll talk about this, we've been bought with a price. Remember the not redeemed with corruptible things, silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ with a lam- as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We need to prepare our minds. We need to practice holiness. And the process of that is obedience. And that's where we are this morning. The process of preparing our minds and practicing holiness is obedience to God. Verse 14, as obedient children of God. Saturday morning, I asked Connie, how'd the sleepover go? She said it went great. I said, what made it great? She said, the grand boys obeyed. <clears throat> simple formula, right? And a simple formula for our lives. So let's talk about obedience this morning, all right? I thought about having you sing the kids' song, obedience is the very best way to show, but I decided against that. But it is the very best way to, yeah, show that you believe, doing exactly what, right? Doing exactly what the Lord commands, maybe I'll go that way. Doing it happily, action is the key, do it immediately, and joy you will receive, right Tina? Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe, O-B-E-D-I-N-C-E, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Maybe we'll sing that next week. simple formula. So let's talk a little bit about obedience this morning, okay? Obedience. Where does it begin? Obedience is an obligation of God's children. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lusts, your former ignorance, not being conformed to those passions, but as he who has called us is holy. So be holy in all manner of life. Now, Peter has already referenced obedience. We won't take the time to go back to verse 2, but he talks about obedience to Jesus. Here it's obedient children. At the end of this chapter, he's going to talk about obedience to the truth. So obedience should not be a foreign concept to us. But it's a concept of being his children. And Peter begins by helping us understand what we're not supposed to do. That's the way life is, isn't it? I mean, think of a little kid, right? What are your initial instructions to that small child? Don't do this and don't do that, right? Don't touch this, stay out of that. This is dangerous for you. And so it is with Our lives. And so God begins this as a children's exercise in our lives. And he begins by saying, do not be conformed. Conformed to what? To the passions of your former ignorance. Don't do the things that you used to do when you didn't know any better. Grow up in Christ. Mature, develop, develop. Get your progressive sanctification working in your life. But it begins with not being conformed to that stuff we used to do before we were saved. Now some of you, as was I, were saved as a small child. But I'll tell you what. As I was growing up, I did a whole lot of stuff that I knew better than to do. How about you? Even though I was saved, I still wasn't as obedient as I should have been. Now, Scripture helps us understand a little bit about what this is all about. I started to quote for you Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, there it is. And acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Actually, the word conformed is used twice in there. Be not is the word conformed. Conformed to this world is the word conformed. And it's a double negative, which in the Greek is an emphasis of how we are supposed to conduct our lives. Do not, do not do this. Ever have to tell children not to do something more than once? <laughs> Did you ever have to be told not to do something more than once? Do not be conformed to passions. Now sometimes we wonder what passions are. King James translates passions "lusts." OK. That helps a little bit. NIV translates passions, evil desires. That helps a little bit. Anything that is contrary to the holiness of God. Right? You'll you want to have anything that does not meet God's standards. It's not whether or not your neighbor thinks it's okay. It's not whether or not your spouse thinks it's okay. It's not whether or not your boss thinks it's okay, or even our culture thinks it's okay. It's whether God says it's okay. Every once in a while, someone will come up to me and say, Pastor, we're not going to be there on Sunday, and they'll tell me what they're going to do. And I will respond to them, and I'll say, Well, if it's okay with God, it's okay with me. How often do we ask God if it's okay? Okay. Obedience is an obligation of God's children, and it begins, do not be conformed. Why? Because you know better. Former ignorance. You want know, an interesting study? Study the ignorant people of the Bible. Now some of you are going, huh? Right? First Thessalonians is one that comes to mind. The great rapture pass. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Huh? But how many times do God's children act like they don't know any better? And we should because the Holy Spirit indwells us and guides us into all truth and teaches us all things and brings all things to our remembrance. And even when we know better, we're ignorant if we think we can get away with it before a holy God. That happened to me this past week. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But I knew better. And I did it anyway. And I was wrong. And I had to go and confess my sin. And aren't you thankful he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins? Hmm? And to do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness so we can be holy. So that's where it begins, right? Do not. So, what are we supposed to do then? We are supposed to understand that there is, based on God's holiness, the ability to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. So, what do we do? We're holy. As obedient children, don't do this, but as he who has called us is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of life, because it's written, be ye holy. Now, after you have helped a child understand what they're not supposed to do, you have to help them understand what they're supposed to do. Our three-year-old grandson is learning, has learned in his preschool to form sentences correctly but there are times that he falls back into a habit of not using his words. It's a whole lot of these going, mm. And so his mom and dad every once in say, Parker, use your words. He knows what those words are. He knows how to communicate. He knows how to share. He recognizes that all he has to do is verbalize what's going on in his life. Now, sometimes that causes some issue. This illustration doesn't have anything to do with anything except he's a cute kid. A couple of weeks ago, he wanted something from his mom. And his mom said to him, Parker, just be patient. I have to feed Avery first. That's his four-month little daughter, sister. Sister. And Parker says, well, she ate yesterday. (laughs) What are we to do? Based on God's holiness, we are to be conformed to God. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed there's the word, to his death. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 as you know follows verse 28. Verse 28 you know, right? We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, right? You know that. Verse 29, for those whom he did foreknow conformed to the image of his son. We have been called to conform to Jesus Christ. John puts it this way. He that says he abides in him also ought to walk even as Jesus walked. And you and I have the responsibility to positively present the wonder of Jesus Christ in our life. Let your light so shine before men that they may do what? See your good works, but glorify, see God. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt is lost, it's salt is. What good is it? Obedience is based on God's standard, which is holiness. And we have been called to conform to God. I love talking with young people. I like to ask them this question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody ever ask you that question? Talking with a young person one time, and they said, "I've been called to be a missionary." Thought, "Wow!" Whew. And you know what? They followed through, and they are. Huh? What has God called you to do? I'll tell you one thing: He's called to do. He's called to be holy, regardless of where you are employed, regardless of what's going on in your life. Regardless of your circumstances, God's called you to be holy. So what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd like to be holy, how about you? Because that is the positive declaration in our lives. Kevin DeYoung writes, God is holy. So most basically being holy means being like God. This is why it's so critical that Christians know the character and work of the one they worship. If you want to know what holiness is, look at God. Now we struggle with that, don't we? The preacher's commentary reads, tells us this. Holiness is a subject often avoided by even Christian people. For some reason, it's very uncomfortable for us to talk about being holy. We seem to have little trouble in ascribing holiness to God as we sing Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty as one of the hymns of our worship. And yet... When we make the transition to speak about the holiness of our lives, we often visualize the caricature of what none of us wants to be, a person that is holier than thou. Jesus refuted that kind of lifestyle as it was demonstrated by the scribes and Pharisees. Instead, God calls us to a life of authentic holiness. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, Holiness is the architectural plan upon which God builds up his living temple. Am I read that again? Holiness is the architectural plan upon which God builds up his people. Hmm? Yeah. It's based on God's holiness. and what is it it's an evidence of the father child relationship you in our text first peter chapter 1 verse 17 and if you call on him as father now stop right there what is the preposition if If you call on him as Father. I'm not going to ask a show of hands, but how many of you fit that? How many of us would say that God is our Heavenly Father? We we pray as Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, our Father which art in heaven. We're thankful that our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of before we even ask. Right? We're, If we call on him as father, if that's true in our lives, then something else ought to be true. The father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Here it is. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. I said earlier, this is written to exiles. This is written to believers who are on a journey. This is written to folks who aren't home yet. I was talking with Barb this morning, and Barb said, it's just good to be home said, it's nice to be down there for four or five months, but that last few weeks, I won't go home. Right, Barb? Yeah. You know, God's given to us a great life. Isn't it good? But won't it be wonderful to get home? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to going home. But while I'm here, I need to conduct myself Conduct myself with reverence until I get to go home. Do not be conformed. Do be conformed to God. And do conduct yourself in such a way that you fear displeasing your heavenly Father. Hmm? That's obedience. Recognizing that there is a father in heaven, right? And we as his children have a responsibility to conduct ourselves in such a way that it reflects our heavenly father. If you were to ask my kids today this question, they would be able to give you the answer. The question is this. What did mom and dad tell you right before we went in to visit somebody from the church? That's it, Vern. You must have had the same parents or they came out of the same book. Best behavior. That that was, that was our mantra. We'd pull in the driveway, and before we ever unlocked the door so they could escape, We'd turn around and we'd say, all right, you guys know, best behavior. And I wondered who they were once they got into the house, because they didn't act like my kids. <laughs> I want to look at them and say, who are you and what you do with the regular kids? You know, that's what God says to us in our exile down here. Best behavior. Hmm? Simple you're reflecting who I am, best behavior. You're letting people know that you call on me as a father, best behavior. You know anybody that claims to have God as his father that doesn't act like it? I don't want to be one of those people because obedience requires That there's an evidence of my Heavenly Father's relationship in my life, and I am His child. And it reflects that. So, here we are with obedience. This is just the beginning. I'm going to stop right here this morning, all right? Some of you looking at your watches, you say, well, He's five minutes early. That's right. Be thankful because next week it won't be that way. (laughs) But does this help us with the process? Does this give you some way to live out your life this week? It's an obligation that we have. It is based on God, not us, God's standard. And it reflects the evidence that we are children of God.